What's up, guys? This is the first episode of the Pinstripe Power Podcast. I am Kyle, and along with me are my boys, Vinny and Jackson. What's up, boys? How's it going, man? Yeah, what's going on? Been a pretty eventful last few days. I mean, baseball in general, but with the Yankees for sure, or I guess you could almost say uneventful, really. Before we kind of get into like the trade deadline talks or whatever, you guys, I would like to see if you guys wanted to uh, go ahead and like introduce yourselves a little bit. Like, what made you want to get into this? What your connection to the Yankees? Like, what kind of got everything started for you, uh, Vinny? If you want to go first. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, my name is Vin. I'm in Florida right now, right outside of Tampa. So, uh, just finished up college down here. I'm originally from Long Island. So, growing up, just being a huge Yankee fan and all that. Uh, Gone down here for college, went to a few uh, Tampa Tarpons, single-A games. So I've grown an affinity for uh, Esteban Florio lately. And, uh, yeah, just glad to be a part of this. Wanted to talk some Yankees, and so did these guys. So basically, yeah, that's how we started it. That's, a, that's neat that you started with the single-A team, and kind of that's how you got your affiliation with the, the Yankees club. That's kind of cool. All right, Jackson, what do you yeah. got? Yeah, my name's Jackson. I'm from Indianapolis, Indiana. And uh, I've been a lifelong Yankees fan, honestly, man, since about five years old. Um, They were my first t-ball team and rode with them since then. I got family on the East Coast out in Jersey, so naturally been drawn to them. And I'm a winner. The Yankees are winners, so I just try to to stick to that. So, um, But, no, I um, went to Ball State University, played baseball there for a little bit um, before injuries kind of took their toll on me and um, just kind of been living the life since then and uh, work as a salesman now. So... I'm um, just excited to get this thing started with you guys. So, Vin, you don't know this, but uh, me and Jackson are actually both from Indiana. And ah. he went to Ball State, which is like 25 minutes from where I'm actually from. Ah, so you guys all you guys hang out all the time. Small yeah. world, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so in short, I mean, my name's Kyle. I'm from Indiana, but I currently live in Nashville, Tennessee. And really my... Uh, my affiliation with the Yankees just kind of started. I read a biography book on Derek Jeter in like third grade. He was rookie of the year in 96. I was born in 96. He was Mr. November. I was born in November. And just that's literally the only like reason that I was even became a Yankees fan. And now I've just kind of stuck with it. But baseball wise, I mean, I'm, I like to think I'm relatively knowledgeable. I mean, I played in college. I went to Indiana University Southeast, which is like a satellite campus from IU. Played all four years, so like I'm kind of like you, Vin. I just uh, graduated, so trying to fill some time, just start a new career. I sell stuff like you do, Jackson. So kind of ended up this little trio makes a lot of sense. It seems like. Heck yeah, yeah, man! So we got two college players, and then me, who uh, my career highlight is playing against Marcus Stroman in high school and striking out. Hey, I'll take that, man. That's something to <laughs> say right there, man. <laughs> All right, so, so now, now I got to ask you, like, was the stuff like it is now? Like, did he have, like, the same kind of arsenal, or was it just like? Uh, yeah, it was pretty much the same. Uh, obviously, he developed a little bit more. He actually uh, threw a no-hitter against our team, so so I wasn't the only one that looked a little rough. You should so. be in the other pinstripes right now, right, man? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's – so that's a pretty good segue, kind of. Let's talk about the trade deadline. We'll start with that one. What – the heck happened in major league baseball this deadline what was that uh so uh, basically uh i have some sources with uh the blue jays and stroman knowing him 
So basically, he was told that he wanted that he was going to be traded, and they told him, "Who do you want to be traded to? Is, do you have a priority of a contender?" He said the Yankees. He grew up a Yankees fan, uh, lived in Long Island, all that type of stuff. So he gets traded mid game, and then he finds out that it was to the Mets, and then he throws he throws a bit of a fit, obviously, uh, and then. It was reported that the media weren't allowed to be in the clubhouse for that day. And it was because Stroman was enraged. He thought he was going to a contender. He was told that the Blue Jays would do it for him, for his loyalty to the team and all that. Uh, Apparently, they didn't like what Cashman offered. And he just drew a fit. Yeah, I saw reports on that. So the initial report that I saw was there was a commotion broke out in the Blue Jays clubhouse. There wasn't any, like, players or anything. But then you had people coming out saying, like, oh, I mean, I'd throw a fit if I got traded to the dumpster fire Mets, too. Like, that's actually interesting that you had a source kind of close to that because that was something that, I mean, I think probably everyone in the country assumed he was going to, not necessarily New York, but, like, New York or maybe even if the Rays were going to try to add another starter because I know that there were some talks about that or, you know, Houston, whatever it may be the Mets were probably the last destination that anyone thought he was going to end up. Right. And for that package? Uh, yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, you saw it on social media. I don't know how much you guys are on there, but you saw him comment on CC's Instagram. I mean, he, he clearly wanted to be a Yankee. And, I mean, being from New York, growing up a Yankee fan, I can only imagine how he feels getting dealt to the bad guys. I mean, you don't – I mean, if you're a Yankee fan, that's the worst play. I mean, that's almost as bad as the Red Sox going to the Mets. But, I mean, I, I would he would have helped us. I think he wanted to come – be with us I don't I didn't really look at what kind of contract he signed with the Mets but he's got to be a top if you know if it's nothing long term he's got to be on the top of our list to go get him yeah so my thoughts were that I think the bad trip around the rotation that we had this last time everyone was like all right this is like a opening Cashman's eyes like hey we need to go get a starter or whatever but I think it more or less did the adverse effect and it opened up the entire league's eyes like the Yankees are desperate as hell for pitching Right. So whenever they come to us, we're going to ask for Debbie Garcia, Clint Frazier, not just one or the other. They're going to ask for the whole nine yards of everything. Right. And I, I think it kind of backfired on us a little bit because a simple negotiating tactic is, yeah, you ask high and work your way down. But, I mean, once you ask too high, Cashman is that kind of guy where he's said he's going to walk away. So, I mean, if you're asking for Debbie Garcia, Clint Frazier, and a couple prospects, that's probably a little much for a year and a half of control. Right. Part of me, you know, I definitely think we should have went out and got one of those top prospects for our rotation. But, you know, if we can get those guys right, and like you said, we really haven't had a series like that in a long time with our starting pitching. I kind of like that he's reiterating confidence in our guys. Now that we're past it, there's nothing we can do about it. So I'm looking at the positive side of it. I like that Cashman, you know, he's got his belief in his guys. He's came out publicly in the media and said, hey, you know, I'm riding with these guys. This is a World Series championship caliber team. I mean, basically now I saw where Tanaka was working on some splitter grips and things like that, trying to get back into to his groove, and he said it was improving. So, I mean, if, if our pitchers pitch like we signed them to pitch, we can still win a World Series. I don't, I'm not writing our guys off at all. It would just been nice to improve that, just to have a little bit more depth going into this main stretch here before the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, basically what Cashman, I learned at least from Cashman, is I don't think he values the starting pitcher as much as a lot of, traditional baseball fans do because you see what we have in the bullpen we have chapman we have batantis if he's healthy we have adovino canely Britton. i mean we have 
We can just build, yeah, you build a game off of that. You only need two or three innings from your starters with the off days in the off in the postseason. So, I mean, it stinks that we didn't get a starter. And going off of what you said with having the worst potential uh, trip through the rotation, I think ESPN said it was the worst since the 08 Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> so, no surprise. I mean, it just stunk that they did it. Obviously, there's going to be a Yankee tax. And you saw, I mean, general managers have to be afraid of a Cashman trade. I mean, look yeah. at the last few. I mean, we got Hicks for John Ryan Murphy. Uh, we traded away Justice Sheffield, and he's in, like, double A right now. Uh, we got Hap last year for McKinney and Drury. It's hard for other GMs, and I don't know if they want to deal with Yankees prospects because when he deals one, it doesn't seem like they're very good. Yeah, that's a that's a good point that I've never really thought about. You know, he, I mean, you've always hear that he always tries to, the Yankees are always upselling their prospects. Like, well, we really don't want to trade Justice Sheffield, for example, because, I mean, he's he's that close to the way he goes to Seattle. And I just don't know if Seattle's organization, just their player development isn't like as advanced as ours. But, I mean, he not only regressed, he, like you said, he went down to double A. Like, things like that are kind of interesting. And the fact of, I mean, if you're another GM, what does it kind of say about you when the Yankees are, at the time, they were probably, I'd say, one of the World Series favorites, and then you trade them and they win the World Series, it's like, well, you won the Yankees the World Series. Which, interestingly enough, I feel like the Astros haven't even been considered a favorite just because the Yankees have been playing really well. I mean, they're less than .03 like, behind us in winning percentage. I actually think they have more wins, but they go make that trade, but I just think it's one of those things where people don't have the connotation that you're trading Zach Greinke for the Astros to win a World Series because they just hadn't really been talked about as much this year. Yeah, I totally feel that. I mean, I mean, look at the Red Sox last year with the Dodgers rotation. I mean, the Dodgers had a really good rotation last year in the World Series, and they made them. I mean, they demolished them in there. So, I mean, I don't. I'm back to what Vinny said. I'm like Cashman, just like he did in the playoffs last year. He stretched out our relief, our relief pitchers. You know, we get our get our starters through three innings, three to four innings, and then stretch out our use the pin. I mean, it's deep. Why wouldn't we use it? And I mean, you got Sevy coming back potentially, Batanzas coming back here. So that's two big arms that you're going to have coming back that we pay a lot of money. So if they can even come back 75 percent of what they were before they got hurt, I mean, that's just icing on the cake in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean. Just to jump off that, I mean, we also have a lot of bats on the injury list right now. We have Stanton, who only played nine games this year. We have Void, who we're waiting on to see what the severity of his injury is. Uh, we have Gary Sanchez on the IL. We have a lot of injuries. Uh, the Granky trade really hurt. Uh, it felt like a bombshell. Not yeah. that the, uh, not that we didn't get him, because I don't think he would have took off his no-trade clause to us, but just the fact that he went to the Astros, and yeah. I think the way the Yankees get to the World Series this year is be the home field advantage, had the number one seed, because in 2017 we saw that series was winnable, but we couldn't win in Houston with the noise and everything. And now you have to face Verlander, Cole, and Granke. Three of the top five innings pitched this year Uh all of them have like a two-something ERA. They're very hard hitters to hit. And I think the Yankees have to extend that bats. They have to win games now. Uh, they're not just 
competing to get into the playoffs. They're competing to be that number one seed. Yeah, and with the Astros, the type of bullpen they have, I think going and getting a starter of the caliber like Granke makes sense because, I mean, yeah, just because they have a solid rotation doesn't mean that they're they're just going to run away with any series. Like like you said, Jackson, we saw last year with the Dodgers rotation, the Red Sox kind of just ran through it. The only thing is, like with starters like that, you kind of rely on them having their stuff for six or seven innings. And so you don't have to run out four or five bullpen guys to be able to win a competitive game. But on the flip side, that's where a guy like that kind of comes in handy because if he's on, then you essentially shorten the game. Like say you score one run off Verlander in seven and a third innings. Now you got like you got eight outs to potentially score four or five runs. And I don't matter it doesn't matter who you got in the back back into your bullpen, you're gonna have at least one or two guys that's gonna actually be able to do a job unless you're of course the Red Sox. Right. And going off of what Vinny said, he made three great points there. Like their top three pitchers, the most innings that you know in the league right now pitched. Um, that's gonna that's gonna wear on them come playoff time, especially if we get home home field advantage like he was talking about. Coming to New York and making those same pitches in New York in that rowdy playoff environment. It's a whole different ball game, man. They don't pitch in that kind of environment. And you got stadiums like the Cubs, the Red Sox, the Yankees. It's just a different postseason feel when it gets into that stage. And then um, I just think that that's going to affect affect those pitchers as well. I, just, I mean, playoffs are just a whole different thing than the regular seasons. You see that with Kershaw. He's not the same pitcher in the playoffs as what he is, you know, or from, you know, game one to 162. It's just not the same. So I think that's, those are two great points that he pointed out there and that I think that are really going to fall into the Yankees' favor come October. Yeah, I agree with you guys. The one other, like, little trade I kind of want to just mention was the, the trade that Cashman did make, that small little thing. It was announced after 4 o'clock. You know, my phone buzzed and said Yankees or Yankees traded. And I was like, oh, what what happened? And then it's something so we get a guy that hasn't even pitched in triple a yet what are you guys what are your guys' initial thoughts on that before i kind of get into what kind of surprised me about the trade uh i don't think much of it because obviously we're not going to see him this year i think we made the move that we were going to make in the trade deadline early we made the edwin and carcion deal and i mean that was a big steal but because that happened six weeks ago we're not talking about that now but if we made the deal yesterday, then, oh, look at the Yankees. They just got another power bat in their lineup. So yeah, I, think, a very good point. I think it's just the timing. And I don't know if this is baseball because we still have two months left of the regular season. But there's a lot of teams that were under 500, like the Reds and the Mets, that really saturated the pitching market. And with the Yankees' struggles, they needed a pitcher. And we're used to Cashman at least getting a a decent pitcher. Kind of piggybacking off of that, I mean, I I didn't think much of it. Um, I read some reports on him and, and saw where he could really be a factor, you know, in the years to come. Um, I think Cashman's a big analytical guy. He's probably saw some kind of analytics where this would be a good fit for us. And, I, you know, like I said, I'm going to put my trust in Cashman. He's a championship-proven GM. I'm going to ride with him. You know, I think he's one of the best in the game. I know he's getting a lot of plaque right now and stuff. But, again, he's got confidence in his guys. And, and we're one of the top three best teams in baseball right now. Why wouldn't he? I mean, we've had one bad series here. People are freaking out. It's New York. I get it. It's just if we ride with Cashman, I think he'll take us take us all the way. All right. So I agree with both of you guys. And I was listening to the interview that Cashman did, like the or the press conference, rather. 
and they asked him like what was the significance of this trade and he kind of attributed it to the roster crunch that's going to happen when we plan on you know Batansis and Severin on these guys coming off the 60-day ADL and because that means I mean you're going to have to bounce guys from the 40-man roster and since there's no trades anymore after yesterday or two days ago that's going to really kind of affect those kind of roster maneuvers like you can't just bounce guys from the 40 man because that means you have to dfa them and you can't they have the opportunity to just walk it or get picked up on waivers and you can't get anything back from them after hearing that rationale for it one it made sense but then two i was surprised we didn't do at least another two another trade or two like that and then it kind of also instilled more confidence in me and cashman like cashman's thinking on another level like he doesn't listen to yankees twitter he doesn't want people to go get Madison Bumgarner, even though Madison Bumgarner is like, yo, I don't want to go to the Yankees. Like, I just thought that was a very interesting dynamic to that trade. Yeah, I mean, uh, I just searched up uh, Alfredo Garcia's stats. I don't know if you guys looked at this. In his career in the minor league, so he's been down there for three years now. He's 7-18 and 18 with a 4.85 ERA. I mean, we gave up Joseph Harvey. I think that was a more of a 40-man move, as uh, you were saying. But it really is just something... Maybe they think they're gonna find they found something they could correct it and make him a dominant pitcher, but I don't know if he's a needle mover in any sense. But again, uh, I trust in Cashman as well. Uh, he's done a lot of right things. I don't know if Cashman has the eye for pitching like he has it for hitting because it <laughs> seems like uh, we don't have many pitchers that come through the system that sustain success. I know this year we've had we've had Herman come up and pitch great, and we've had Severino. But, I mean, in the past 10 years, it seems like that's it. And maybe he needs a little bit better pitching. Uh, but, I mean, I'm not going to say I don't trust whatever Cashman's doing because I know there's not many people on earth that could ever do half the job he is. Yeah, and I, th- I think, like you said, he is a, an offensively-minded GM. And, I mean, if you look at our offense – Maybe you don't need that great of starting pitching when you can put up, you know, eight to ten runs a game like we have been averaging before this past series. I mean, when you look at our, our offense, it's one. It, in my opinion, it is the most powerful offense, top to bottom, when we're healthy. And another point that, like you guys were saying, why are we not bringing up Clint Frazier? Why are we leaving him down there with Boyd going to the DL now? Why don't we bring that kid up here? You know, get him, get him some playing time, or get him at least on the roster before a big series here get that playoff feel in him a little bit and see what he can do. I know he's not the best defensive outfielder right now, but he's young. He's going to, he's got, he's a great talent. He's got a, he's a great bat. Um, I think we should bring him up and just, you know, at least let him get that feel going into this Boston series. It'd be a big, big step forward for him. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know we kind of texted about that a little bit, but I'm a big, I'm a big Clint Frazier guy. So anything I said prior deadline, I was always like with a grain of salt, like I would much rather, Clint Frazier stay a Yankee, but I understood the reward of giving rid of him because he's such a highly sought-after prospect, which, I mean, honestly, he isn't even a prospect anymore. He's a major league player. Like, for him to not be on a roster is almost ridiculous. I mean, there's plenty of, and I mean plenty of very good players that are lacking defensively. Like, I'm not going to say Clint Frazier is as good of a hitter as J.D. Martinez, but I'll put him in the same category defensively. And I would, I'd go as far to say that Clint Frazier is probably going to easily get better than J.D. Martinez defensively because he knows he has to work on it. He's, he's been every day pregame, he's been out there in Scranton working 
running routes and doing drills and stuff. I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen those videos yeah, on Twitter Judge or whatever. Too, yeah, I've seen Judge, when he was with the Yankees, Judge was helping him out a lot, trying to read balls off the wall and things like that. So being around, that's why I would like for him to be up there with the Yankees because you're around those good outfielders like that. If you're going to get better, you got to learn from the best. And with all the injuries we have now, it just makes sense for me to bring him up. I don't know what we're – if we're not going to trade him, why hold, like why why keep him on trip on the AAA team? Why keep him in screen? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it could be service time that they're just trying to manipulate at this point, uh, which I think the CBA has to get corrected on that at all because GMs are smarter than there. Right. But I'm not as big on Clint Frazier as you guys seem to be. I think he's a good player. I don't think he's a good Yankee. I don't. I think with uh, the antics that he pulls sometimes, uh, it doesn't really feel well, especially when uh, he had that horrible uh, game in the outfield against the Red Sox last time they were here. Uh, just not talking to the media after they were telling him you had to at least go address it and just say, "Hey, I took. I had to take the blame for this," and just refusing to do it. I think that really soured Cashman, and I think it soured a lot of other GMs. I just right. don't think – I think we think Clint's value is just high, but I don't think many GMs think that right now. Yeah, that is a very good outlook on that because, I mean, when that happened, I was like, this is like the worst-case scenario. Like, just a- answer one que- one or two questions. Like, it wasn't got, my day. Like, you guys get out of here. New York Yankee fans. I mean, you've seen it from the time you guys have been fan. You can't shy away from New York, man. You got to answer. You got to step up and you got to answer those questions. I mean, as hard as it is, as bad as it sucks when you when you take the L like that, you gotta you gotta face the music a little bit, or they will eat you alive. And I think he kind of saw that a little bit, and he paid for it. He's still in AAA, so I mean, he paid for it. So having a guy like Aaron Judge, who's always team first to the media, and just. He doesn't take any praise for himself. And then having a Clint Frazier type of character. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm going to cheer for Clint Frazier. I cheer anybody who's wearing pinstripes. But, I mean, just having those antics, the whole uh, 72 hours to get down to AAA after getting called down, which he had his right to do. I think he just ticked off Cashman a little bit. And I don't know if he was in any trade packages that were close. I know Cashman said he wasn't too close on much this trade deadline. But I don't. Again, I don't think that his value is that high right now. Now I will say this though: as much as I would much rather him, you know, treat the media like Aaron Judge, like face everything, answer everything the right way. I mean, but I almost respect what he did more than Sonny Gray continuously always being like, "I had great stuff. It just pitches weren't good." It's like, Dude. come on, like, yeah, because <laughs> like. With him not speaking to the media, that's at least, you know, he's like, I can't handle this. Like, I I know I played this, the worst game of my career. Like, I've made this many, so many mistakes. I almost rather that than when you make all the mistakes in the world continuously and you're just like, you know, my stuff was good. It just didn't fall my way. Like, give me a break. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you there. It's a lot more entertaining, at least, to... Have him at least have a re- like. I'm not talking to them. I just had the worst game of my life. I'm not gonna go talk to them. They they know what happened. Uh, right. Anything I say isn't gonna help what I, what just happened. I don't. I'm mad. I'm not gonna talk to them. Right. I mean, I'm not gonna sit here and say I wouldn't do the same thing because that would probably be my attitude. Right. Yeah. Because no, I mean, nobody wants to come out and you know, especially in bright lights like New York, nobody wants to come out and say, "Yo, I screwed up. I was the reason we lost that game." But yeah, and it was I mean, a Sunday night ways- baseball. 
right you're on prime time man like you don't i i get it i totally get it i'm human but at the same time you got to know your environment and where you're at and what the fans are gonna you know what the the organization and the fans are gonna look at you as and i just thought he kind of could have played it a little bit better but he's like like you said sunny gray dude just wasn't made for the bright lights he goes to the reds he's an all-star this year I mean, Frazier might be the same way, but I just think Frazier's got a little bit more of an edge. Like, I think he knows that he's good, and I like that, but I just wish that he would kind of hone it in a little bit and understand his environment. Yeah, spot on. All right, so, I mean, do you guys have any kind of, like, last-second deadline thoughts that you want to talk about? Uh, I think it was important that at least we had a team block the Astros there. Uh, It's going to hurt having three legitimate uh top-tier pitchers against us potentially in a playoff series. Uh, obviously, the money is going to be hard. Garrett Cole's a free agent after this season. Uh, then they have Verlander and Granke getting about uh, 20-something million each. And they're getting They're not older. young either. Yeah, yeah I was going to say they're, they're not They're both young. on their 36 years yep. old right now. So, I mean, that could help us in the future. But, I mean, Cashman said it a year ago, or two years ago. Uh, he's not trying to win a championship. He's trying to win multiple championships. And that's what this deadline was. Yeah, that's a great point. If anyone's engaged in Yankees Twitter at all, everyone was saying this is a must-win year. They have to do whatever they can to win this year, which, I mean, just being the Yankees, that is the same mentality every year. Just this, these past two years are kind of like, it's right there. And I think people lost, definitely lost sight of that yesterday, for sure, where they're yeah. just like, everyone's upset, frustrated, he didn't make any moves. It's like, I get that you want to improve the team, but it's like, it just kind of rubs me the wrong way when everyone gets like all agitated and upset when literally three days ago they're like praising this team. Like, this is the, the, the when they say that this team can go and win the World Series and then get upset when they don't add somebody, that's right. just... That kind of rubs yeah. me the wrong way. <laughs> I agree, man. That's what I mean. Like I said, we we have the we have the lineup, we have the team that can do it. We just got to have guys step up a little bit. Paxton needs to pitch like he can. I mean, we got guys that have good potential. They just haven't shown it yet. Hap hasn't pitched as good as he could have. CC, you know, he's been pretty solid until you know the last couple series is there. But we got the we got the pieces, and um, I don't know, man. I think you just people get caught up with the Red Sox. You know that they're they're a division rival. They've had success here recently. We haven't won a World Series in 10 years. People are just itching. It's New York. People are ready to win. So, But I like Cashman's approach. I'm all for multiple championships. And there's not, nobody said that we can't win it this year, too. I mean, why can't we start the streak this year? Yeah, I mean, uh, one last thing for me, at least. Uh, you got to at least think. The Astros added, but the Twins didn't add. The Rays didn't add much. Uh, the Red Sox didn't add anybody, especially in that bullpen. That suspect. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of teams that didn't want to move because, the, especially the nationally, the wild card situation is very clumped up, and you have two months left. There's yeah. a lot of GMs that are ready to go and say, "Hey, we could get, we could win five more games." I mean, look what the Giants did the past couple of weeks. They were bottom of the of basically baseball outside of the Orioles, and now they're they're a few games out from a playoff spot. I mean, you just got to get hot in a two-week stretch, and you're basically one of the best teams in baseball. Yeah, that's a good point. Now, I will say when they made the trade of Drew Pomerantz, when they dealt him, 
instantly I was like, all right, Mad Bum's gone. Like, who's going to get him? I never was a real big believer that the Yankees were even players in that because, I mean, months ago he said he put the Yankees on his no-trade list, which obviously that doesn't mean that a trade can't go through. But, I mean, I mean, how much do you want a guy and how much are you going to give up for a guy that initially says he doesn't want to be there? Are you going to give up Esteban Florial and Debbie Garcia for a rental and someone that's previously said that, hey, like, I don't really want to go to New York. That's it's not my personality. Like, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I don't, as a Yankee fan, I don't want a dude on there that put us on a no trade clause. How, you know, how much effort is he going to give? How, you know, how much is he really going to try for us? I mean, I see why people, I, I could see the, the strategy of trying to block the Astros from getting him, but, uh, for somebody that doesn't want to pitch for the Yankees and put them specifically in a no trade clause, I'm like, dude, we'll find somebody else. We'll, we, there's somebody else out there that wants to pitch for the New York Yankees that wants to win for us, which I thought was Marcus Stroman. But <laughs> I mean, I, we, you know, we'll find somebody. We don't want somebody that's not gonna, you know, not gonna put it all on the line and wanna wanna win something for us. Yeah, I mean, Cashman's basically saying, hey, you guys are right now the best team in the American League. You're just a little bit behind the Dodgers in the record-wise, this team is a championship team, and you guys just got to step up a little bit. Everybody here has to do a little bit more, and we'll be there. I agree. So I want to get into recapping the little two-game quick series, that, which I don't know why MLB has these things. Like, two-game <laughs> interleague series, it's, it's almost a joke, but they happen, and I mean, first time the Diamondbacks had been in New York since that uh, since Didi. I don't know if you guys saw that when Didi yep. hit the yeah. home run there when he was a Diamondback. So I thought that was kind of cool seeing that stuff. But, I mean, a quick little rundown. Game one was Jay Happ versus the rookie Taylor Clark. I mean, in his first ever start at Yankee Stadium. And interestingly enough, he had just became a dad five days prior. Yeah. I mean, he he looked unreal. Going into that game, I mean, he had a – 6-1-0 ERA. He was 3-3. Three and three. I was like, if the Yankees don't put up six run, runs on this guy, it's going to be embarrassing. But, I mean, he shut us down. I mean, three hits over five and a third innings, six Ks, no runs. I mean, that's a very good start. We, we couldn't buy that right now. <laughs> right. No, we couldn't. Well, you saw we couldn't buy it. Yeah. Hap had a pretty decent start. I mean, it gets overshadowed by Clark's start, but he went six innings, three runs. I mean, obviously, we would have wanted a little more out of him, maybe not give up a few of those runs. But, I mean, he battled. He had a high pitch count in that first inning, if I remember correctly. And he battled back. And, I mean, he, he pitched a good game. The Yankee starters, I mean, that's two straight good starts right there from if you pick you back off of Herman. I mean, you got to move in one direction, and you already have rock bottom. So, Yeah, and you made a very good point. If you get that start from Jay Happ nine times out of his t- out of ten starts, that's exactly what you're paying him for. You're not paying him to go eight innings, one run, ten punch outs. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, you might be looking at that from Paxton, which obviously hasn't been there. But, I mean, that's that's a stat line that you're pumped about if Jay Happ gives you. It just, I mean, he got porched by uh, Christian Walker there. I mean, and if you want to tell me that stat cast is never wrong. That ball barely got over, and they said it went 342 feet or something. It's like that thing was no more than 320. Like, yeah. But I mean, we use the short porch. People use other people use it against us. I mean, Sessa was actually even in a loss. He was pretty good too. 
I mean, between him and Hap over nine innings, they only allowed one walk. I mean, if you're not giving up free bases, you're more than likely going to put yourself in a pretty good position to win this game. Unfortunately, we didn't win this game. But, I mean, 4-2, I mean, that's a sucks. But that's that's not a loss that you're like, what went wrong? I think, I mean, I look at it like about like you do. I mean, how many times are we – I mean, we're expected to score at least four runs a game, and we have been all year for the most part. I mean, that offense can go off for two runs like that. And it showed it many times. Just I think it just happened to be that one time, you know, we just got it – was, it wasn't our day. Now, you'll have that in baseball. But most of the time, you know, I don't know how many games this year I've been watching where we're down four, you know, four to even six, seven runs, and somehow we're boom, right back in it like that. So that's just a testament to the offense. And, and guys like Mike Talkman, Austin Romine, you know, those guys that have stepped up, especially in these last two series with injuries and stuff. Cameron Mabin coming back and kind of producing. Um, it's just been a it's been a fun year to be a Yankees fan, man. Just be, seeing all these guys step up and play, it's just that's why like I was kind of you know a little upset about all the trade deadline because I love this team and I just love seeing all these guys kind of play their part and, and be role players for this team, do something different. Well, everybody does something well, so that's that's the biggest thing in this Diamondback series that I saw. Just little guys, you know, especially in that second game, um, making the difference. Especially you know when we were down there with the rain delay and everything, they gutted it out and got a win. Yeah, I mean, a little bit that was a little disheartening was uh, in the first game we got the run uh, in the sixth inning as I'm looking at it. Then the first uh, batter that Sessa faces, he gets uh, he gets hit for a home run. It looked, I believe they had Canely up in the bullpen as well, like if they scored another run. Yeah, they did. And I mean, I mean, I can't harp on it because this has been going on for two years now. But, I mean, just the way Boone manages, like, if you're down two runs, I'll bring in my big guy. But if I'm down three runs, I'm not. Yeah. I mean, that kind of gets a little frustrating. But, I mean, I can't harp on it. He He's doing things right. I mean, he's managing this bullpen. They've been overused, especially the last week. So, I mean, with these two rest, uh, these two off days, today and uh, Monday, just give the pitchers an extra day just to rest. I mean, I understand that. And Sessa didn't do bad at all. Yeah, you would like to see him put those guys in, his guys in, in those situations. Like, he puts Tyler Wade in instead of DJ LeMahieu, which, I mean, initially people were thinking, okay, he could still be hurt. He might be heading to the I.O., but then he comes out today and says he's going to play in the Boston series, and he honestly could have played in the two games against Arizona. It's like, in a close game like that, you're telling me Tyler Wade is a better option than DJ LeMahieu. Right. That's an absolute joke. Right. DJ machine, man. Anytime you get to use that man, you put him in the box, especially if it's in within a two run game or, you know, something where we got man, men on and we can, we got a chance to win the game. I, I'm just a believer and you got to go win that thing. Yeah, but I mean, the Yankees believe in rest. I uh, maybe a little too much. <laughs> and LeMahieu has been playing a lot You're before right. that injury. Yep. Uh, it's pretty funny that he missed the two games in Arizona and now he missed the two games that they were here. Uh, maybe he was just trying to avoid the Diamondbacks. Maybe he doesn't think, like them. You know, he's just waiting on <laughs> meeting them in the postseason, like the World Series, and yeah. just them not having a scouting report. So, I mean, that kind of brings us into game two, and you talked about it a little bit, Jackson. Um, a much better game, I guess. Initially, you're like, all right, sweet. The Yankees are scoring early. Off of Zach Granke, he doesn't look comfortable. I mean, it was the first time in 31 starts that he allowed over two walks, which, I mean... Savages in the box, man. They they know what they're yeah. looking at. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Zach Greinke, essentially, if you just look at stat lines, he had a better start than Masir Tanaka. But, I mean, I thought Tanaka was great. I mean, he kind of got gypped over a little bit there because, I mean, 
one of those things, like you said, Ben, where I don't necessarily agree how Boone manages it. He hasn't given up a run or anything. He's through four. He walks the first two people in the fifth and then comes out and just gives him the hook. It's like this guy's going to give you what probably would have been a quality start, even if he gives up three runs there. Like he'd, he'd been looking good all day, hadn't given up a run. Um, I don't think he – I think he ended up having um, yeah four – three walks. I mean, nothing crazy, and he just th- – two of them were in the one inning, and he just doesn't get – the opportunity, which especially after, if you're going to leave him out there to give him 12 runs and yeah. three and a third give him, innings, give him the opportunity to. I see what you're saying. Yeah, definitely. like I was a pitcher, so like I I get that. Like it's like right. I'll I'll wear the 12 runs. I was awful. Like you got to wear that one. Then the next turn around, and I'm gonna give you a quality start, no runs or anything through three innings, and then you're just gonna pull me before when one guy gets into scoring position. And I, I kind of see it both sides. Like, I understand as a pitcher, as a former pitcher as well, like, you want to sit in there and battle a little bit, especially after that last start. But I also see it from Boone's side. Like, hey, man, this dude just gave up 12 runs. Like, man, do we really want to try to sacrifice another game? We're trying to steal one here. So I, I see both sides. And I think a little bit, too, is just some articles I read was it was more of just getting him some more work, getting him some more, you know, he's been trying different grips with his splitters. He's been trying different locations with his fastball. So I think it was just trying to get him some work and keep his confidence so, you know, that way he can kind of go into the next start on a positive note in Boston or against Boston. Yeah, and I mean, he looked like he lost his own a little bit in that fifth inning. And, I mean, you're trying to win the game. I think a lot, this series at least, it felt like just they weren't really focused on the game as much. They were really focused on the trade deadline with this being an early game, a 1 o'clock start, with the deadline being at 4 it just felt like we're waiting to see who we're going to pick up at the time. That is an absolute joke by Major League Baseball. If you're going to have a midday trade, hard trade deadline, you do not let anyone throw one single official pitch until 4 yeah. like, yep. That is another instance where MLB just drops the ball on entertainment. That well, on the, on the bright side, for that. On the bright side, at least we got to see a little bit of Granky this year. Before. Exactly. That is, it does help us. I mean, we're going to see it. You, you got to assume that we're going to see him in October. So, I mean, we at least got one game. Yeah, the lineup's got a little bit of uh, of history now against him because a lot of these guys haven't been in the NL. And the this, this is a, a good thing. Granky career versus the Yankees is not good. I think he's 0-3 with an 11 ERA, and that was before this game. I like those odds. I'll go, so, I'll I go mean, that. is it Zach Granky? Yes, but... It's not Zach Granke in New York because, I mean, he's he's been one that's, I mean, he's known for having social anxiety. He's always been known as kind of that weird guy. But that's why he didn't want to come to New York. That's why he's he's always been adamant. So, I mean, a lot of people forget about it, but he w- they were in talks, the Yankees and Granke, when he was leaving uh, the Dodgers about signing him. But then they both kind of agreed that, like, hey, New York probably isn't the best place for him, whether it be trying to be successful mentally or just – like on the mound, it's just not going to work out for him. Yeah, I totally agree, man. I Like you said, social anxiety, that's not the place to have. Coming to pitch in New York, that's not where you want to have that at, you know, right or wrong. You're just not going to succeed there, man. Uh, that's why people, you know, like Jeter and Mariano and those kind of guys, they always succeeded there because they, they were able to tune that out. Andy Pettit, they could tune that out and just go to work. But obviously those kind of things affect him and the only reason that only strategy reason I wanted to get him was so that the Astros couldn't I think if we get him and the Astros don't 
I don't think there's really another big contender that doesn't, you know, I mean, we get a good pitcher, nobody else really gets anything. And then we stay, you know, get our guys back from the IL. I think that, you know, it only been good things for us, but I, I still think that we're the favorite. I still think that we, we should be able to, you know, handle Grinky. And like Vin said, it's a good thing that we saw him for a few innings that way, because a lot of those guys haven't seen him. I'm not worried about guys like Judge, Stanton, Edwin, Didi, those guys, they're going to hit no matter what. But guys like Talkman, Rowe, Urshela, Torres, like those younger guys, Hicks even, uh, it's good for them to see that kind of pitching early on and get ready to gear up. Yeah, that's a very good point, Ben. I never even thought about that. So I do want to kind of address this, though. Chad Green has been phenomenal since coming from Scranton, but boy, did he look like pre-Scranton Chad Green yesterday. (laughs) Yes, he did. That literally, and I mean, kind of goes to your point. Like you can see where, all right, let's throw our guns. We've had a couple of days off. Let's Chad Green maybe give us an inning or two, shut it down, then let's turn it over to the boys in the back end. But that was not good at all. No, I agree, dude. That was pretty bad. And honestly, like you said, he really hasn't had a had a you know an outing like that in my near me- memory at least. But you know, I guess maybe you got to have it, get it out of your system a little bit. But uh, it'll be interesting to see if they bring him in in the Boston series and see how he, he reacts to that. He seems to be, you know, when the lights are bright, he seems to be able to step up here since, you know, post Scranton. So hopefully, you know, he's able to, to find it a little bit and get back on track because he could be an important piece down the road. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a potential, there's a possibility out there that he could start a playoff game. That Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean exactly. we're undefeated when he does. So <laughs> yep. Yeah, got to keep it rolling, man. I mean, he basically started the uh, the wild card game that we were in. Yeah, people. That, a lot yeah. of people forget that, especially when he was going through those struggles early this season. He's the reason we won that game. Without him coming out, what was it, three or four innings that he came in? And, I mean, he shut the door. He was electric. And, I mean, that was really the first time I'd ever was like, oh, wow, Chad Green's a dog. Like, he went out there and he drug him across the line. Like, he's like, I'm the guy. But it's almost... It's almost to the point where it's like, how are these guys so on and off? Like, for example, Chapman, what is he? What is he doing? Like, he's somehow g- getting saves, but at the same time, he looks like Jonathan Holder could be doing a better job. Like, right? I think I kind of jinxed him, man. Before the All Star break, I'm like, damn, you know, Cap- Chapman hasn't even really blown. You know, he's he's been pretty rock solid this year, and then he comes out and does what he does here in the second half for the couple a uh, couple of outings that he's had, but. <laughs> I guess I'd rather him struggle now than struggle, you know, have a great year and then struggle in the playoffs. So, I mean, every pitcher is going to go through that. It's baseball. And Chapman's obviously had some struggles in the past, especially with us here. But he's won a World Series. I like having that, that pedigree on my team. So hopefully he can figure it out and, and keep guys guessing with, that, uh, off, with his off speed. That seems to be when he gets in trouble. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to seem like I'm speculating on this, but ever since that whole, uh, He's one million percent leaving this year. Yeah, it seems like yeah. that he's like just been a different pitcher. So I don't know if it's something mental there that throw him off a little bit. But I mean that could be a factor. Now he has to face the media that believe that he's gone. And I mean if Ken Rosenthal is saying it, I mean it's basically gospel. Yeah. Very, very good point. And it's kind of one of those things, I mean, because I mean, right after that he tried to debunk it, like with that post he had on Instagram yeah. where he's like yeah, I'm Yankees 100% or whatever. But it's like, then it kind of makes you think with like his performance, like, is he like getting a little like anxious? Like, I got to face the media about this. Like, I mean, right. you would think now it's kind of blown over, but 
maybe still he's just thinking like now now it's on his mind like, yeah. i have that opt out he wasn't thinking about it or whatever this comes out or whatever and now he's like i do have this opt out and i mean especially if he figures it out like which i, I mean there's always that one stretch that chapman i mean especially the year that we got him where i mean he absolutely was just brutal for a while i mean they they took him out of the ninth inning for a while oh, now yeah. it's de- it's not that bad yet but if he can figure it out this little stretch you know skewing his uh, stats a little bit may help the yankees in the sense of keeping him he's set to make 30 over the next two i mean so 15 a year i mean really you're not going to get much more than that with the numbers if they kind of stay consistent to what they are now I, I agree. I mean, personally, I'm a huge Batances guy. Like, if, if he could stay healthy, I, I think that he could be our guy down the back end of the bullpen, honestly. if it, But, I mean, obviously, you don't want to give up Chapman if you have a chance to keep him. I mean, he's an all-star pitcher, and I get it. But the price has got to be right, I think, if you're Cashman. And that's where Cashman excels. He He's not going to overpay for somebody, especially after the whole A-Rod ordeal. I think he kind of learned his lesson there. So, I mean, I... I, I really am a big Batances guy. I think he's pitched really well, and when he's on, I think he could be a really good closer for us. But it'll be interesting to see what how that dynamic kind of shifts towards the end of the season and how everything ends up. I think it'll, a lot of it will depend on what we do in the postseason. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm distracted. I just saw the uh, suspensions that got out from the Reds. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like 48 games total or something like that through all the Yeah, suspensions. I mean, one guy has 10 games. The yeah, guy, the, the guy pitcher? that has ten games. I don't who is who was that? I didn't even know who that was. Was that the pitcher? Yeah, I don't uh, know. No, the, no, the pitcher got eight games. Who charged off the mound? Oh, I mean, oh, okay. So <laughs> Sorry, maybe I, my no. This is great because I completely forgot about this, and I w- would love to talk about this. I think my favorite managerial move of all time is the interim head coach. Because I mean, Bell already got thrown out of the game, so he, they have their bench coach in. He's up there talking to Amir Garrett, whatever. Amir's like mouthing like in his glove. Yeah, like I'm gonna and fight him. <laughs> that's that has to have been what he's saying. He's saying, You better get someone going. I'm a, I, I'm gonna go fight them. Yeah. And he looks back at the dugout and says, Get going. Takes the ball, pats him on the ass, and Charge. then just char- Yeah. My favorite managerial move of all time is him just being like, Go whoop some ass. Just yep. get yep. in there. That's, talk about savage. That's savage right there, man. Give that's me Amir it. Garrett. Lock him up. And the, my and favorite the part is Puig got suspended three games out of this, and yeah. he was traded. So that's, that's what I was getting ready to say, dude. Like, Puig coming out <laughs> fighting. That's the kind of teammate I want right there, man, coming and to back up my ass after did, I could you see how fight. fired up he was afterwards? He oh, was like, you guys have yelling, to fucking go. Yeah, he was yelling at his teammates for not fighting for not as fighting. long as he was. <laughs> yep, yep. Then, I love that. Bell, Bell ran back out there, and, like, I saw this thing. It was a John Boy's little oh, breakdown of John it. Boy. Bell and Puig are, like, sitting there, and Puig's like, you guys have to freaking fight. Like, why are you guys not back there? And Bell's like walking by him. He's like, yep, you're right. You got, yeah. Me and I you were fighting. There. We were kicking ass like no one else was. That, yeah, that's I, a, that was very interesting. And I, I loved every bit of that. And it would have been very funny if it played a dynamic into where Puig being suspended for three games would have caused some kind of like turmoil and like beat of the trade or something. Right, right. That would have been wild. Right. I mean, I guess if I'm the GM and I see him doing that, though, I like that. I want him on my team. He's going to defend his, you know, his brothers, even when he, you know, he doesn't have to. So, I mean, that's. I thought that was a huge credit to Puig. I know probably a lot of people think that's Bush League or whatever, but I liked it personally. The best part about this entire brawl, they're in fourth and fifth place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, they had like a Dude, they're out. Yeah. <laughs> All right, but um, 
just quick little recap. Split the series, which I mean, it kind of kept us from getting the season series swept on us. Which I saw a tweet. I think we hadn't we hadn't had that done in like since ninety yeah, something or no, like, I, like oh. the, the series like season series sweep. Oh, okay. So we hadn't. It's been over like 20, 30 years since that's happened. So it's a good thing that we did, you know, make that current. But uh, the now looking into the the weekend, I mean, big series. And I say that as in it kind of gets you know Red Sox fans excited. Oh, if you sweep the series, you're you're right in it. No, you're not. Like I mean, we saw what happened since since that series. The Red Sox, they've only gained a half a game. Like that series included that we got absolutely dist- the most embarrassing series I've ever seen between any two teams. They gained they've gained half a game. They've not right. gained a game in the loss column. They've only just w- played one more game and won one more game. That's literally all they've done. Which is very, uh, very good from our standpoint. But just quick little preview: uh, Game One, we have Eduardo Rodriguez versus James Paxton. Paxton has to be better. Yeah, absolutely has to be. I mean, everyone this second time or this this new fresh turn through the order, it's been better. Hap was fantastic. Masso was good. I mean, Herman kind of reset his stuff against Boston. Like, I mean, that was fantastic. If he he has to figure this out. I don't yeah. I mean you can say he has to figure out everything all the time, but this start is huge. I mean, on the season he's five and six with a four seven two ERA. You can't be James Paxton and have a losing record. We we can't have that. No, yeah, I, I mean the last great start that I can remember from him was against the Red Sox in Yankee Stadium. That that was an early April. in the year. Yeah. yeah, early in the year, yeah. Yeah, and I mean he just has to get fired up. It seems like when he gets fired up, he pitches well. He has to correct that first inning because if you're going to the bottom of the first down a run or two, I mean, that could be a difference in a game. And oh, it is. you have to just – that's just such a confidence boost if he's able to get through that, just break that mental demon at this point. So I think start off, get hot early and just be ready and just dominate. And I think he'll be good. In his last five starts, he's 0-3, 25 and a third innings pitched, 19 runs with eight home runs. I would almost guarantee the majority of those 19 runs are just coming via home run. Seven walks. And, I mean, he still has 36 Ks to a 5-6-80 RA. Like, he's punching people out. I mean, like, even against the Red Sox in the short, short outing it was, he still punched out, what, nine? I mean, that's a lot of strikeouts to lose a game. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I saw once that uh, before this last Boston start that he had, that he had the highest ERA in the majors in the first inning, and then the lowest ERA in the majors for the second through ninth inning in the majors. It's just to get through that first inning. Yeah, I agree. I feel like in a lot of the games that we've lost this year, we've gave it, given up like five runs in the first two innings. If we don't dig ourselves in a hole, man, we, we probably win half of those games at least. So I think that's been the biggest Achilles heel to our season this year is just giving up runs early if we can limit the mistakes early and get up on teams and put pressure on teams they're not going to be able to come back once and just step on their throat a little bit and that's what I want to see this weekend with the Red Sox I want us to see us go out and step on their freaking throat we haven't done that you know in a while and it's going to feel good especially against them it'll feel good to just put the, just bury them if they were 13 14 games back at the end of this series and just put them put all the talk out It'd be great for us, I think, and then we can kind of start focusing on other things that way. So 
And I think Paxton, he's got to come out like this is a playoff game. If he can come out with that mindset and compete, I don't think there's I don't think they're gonna I don't think they'll win a game in the series if all of our pitchers come with that approach. Yeah, that's a very good point. But going on to game two, interestingly enough, the Red Sox have the game two and game three to be determined when it comes to who's starting. But for the Yankees, I mean game two we have I mean, main man Domingo. He's thirteen and two with a 408 ERA on the season, which I, I hate that his ERA is that high because it's skewed because he, he pitched through an injury right before he went to the I.L., and that kind of skewed it a little bit. And, I mean, everyone's ERA is skewed after that Minnesota series, which is just wild. But, I mean, in his last five, including the Minnesota start, he's 4-0. So, still they didn't even lose. Like, they ended up winning that game miraculously. He's got 27 innings pitched, 14 runs, 7 home runs. So... One thing you might want to think about, like in him and Paxton's both last five starts, he's only given up one less home run, but he's given up five less runs because he's not walking people and putting them, giving away free bases. And he's got 30 Ks as well, and he's pitched to a 4.67 ERA. So, I mean, with those stats against Minnesota, take away eight runs and three home runs. I mean, he's been. Cy Young Domingo from the beginning of the season since he's come back from the injury aside from that Minnesota start. Before this year, where the heck did this guy come from, man? Like, I, Domingo German, I, when I saw that guy, like, when I saw him at the start of the year having that success, I'm like, man, that's a steal. That's where I, that's where I was crediting Cashman. I'm like, man, he developed this guy. We got this guy going. I mean, he's going to be a huge part. That was obviously before all the Seve news came out. But, man, where would we be without him this year? He's been a huge anchor to that to that rotation that's often been unstable and inconsistent. Exactly. He wasn't even he was battling for a fifth spot in the rotation at spring training. Now he's the ace of our staff and an all star. I mean Right. You can't predict these things. And it's great that we have him. And I was afraid they were gonna try to package him in another trade. I was trying to get a bigger starting pitcher. I'm glad we kept him. We controlled the innings so he could get a good postseason outings so i heard those rumors and that made zero sense to me why if we need to add pitching we don't need to replace good pitching with good pitching that right those rumors blew my mind that they were even talks i wonder how like how much traction or how like real those rumors really were yeah i agree because i mean man i i think if it's not broke don't fix it is always my philosophy and uh, if you're going to package a guy, do something, you know, with guys that, that are less proven, like a Hap or Paxton. I mean, they probably don't have much market value, but don't trade your your ace this year, the guy that's 13-2 and two and and won a lot of games for you and kept you in a lot of games. So I, I totally agree with you, Kyle. So for game three, I mean, neither team has a starter to be determined. So let's go ahead and assume that we're going to use an opener that game, which, like we stated before, we're – undefeated when we use an opener so let's try to keep that rolling if that is the case so i mean i'll kind of throw you a little chad green's stats uh he's on the year which obviously it's a little skewed but he's two and three he's made 36 appearances to 42 innings i mean he's 506 era which that's that being skewed from early season and that last outing so I guess this is an interesting dynamic. With that last outing he has, do you guys think that if we go to an opener that we go to him instead of maybe just go ahead and just straight starting like 
Nestor Cortez. Man, if Nestor pitches like he did yesterday, I say Chad Green all day. But I, I, I'm a big Chad Green guy. Like you said, we haven't lost a, haven't lost a game or whatever since he started this year, and I think he kind of, he kind of embraces that role a little bit, and he seems to mentally have it figured out there. So. I, I think you roll with Chad Green, and, and that's at least gives you uh, saves you an arm down the stretch in the bullpen as well. Um, you know, like Cortez or or one of those guys that you could save for for later down in the in the stretch run of a game as well. So I'm I'm all in on Chad Green starting um, as long as you know he keeps performing like he has been. I agree. I think Chad Green should start if that's the case. Uh, give them the opportunity. I mean, have Chad face the big bats in the order. The first time through, and then fool them with a little bit of Nestor. I mean, we've seen how he changes his wind up and quick pitches sometimes, and just give them a different feel. And I mean, if it's not broke, don't try to fix it at this point. Uh, it looks like Nestor excels at that role, and Chad Green does very well as well. So just don't try to fix something that isn't broken. I guess that kind of leads me into a question for you guys. Because I don't know if you really remember, Chad Green was supposed to be a starter for the Yankees a few years ago. So, do you think him like you know coming up as a starter and everything? Do you think that play is playing into his success as an opener? And kind of a second part to that, do you think it would make sense for them to try to possibly just start him like normally, not open him, but just let him run out five innings like like he did yeah. in the wild card game essentially? Yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, I think it definitely helps him. He's got, you know, he's had experience starting. And I think starting, you know, starting a baseball game, you've been there, Kyle, you're, you were a pitcher. It's very mental, getting yourself prepared and things like that. And, and a lot of those relievers, they don't have that starting. You know, they, they're, you know, thinking they're coming in with the score of the game. They're not starting a game off. And I think that that's helped him out a little bit. And I think, you know, I, I don't think it would hurt where we're at with our rotation as hurt as we are right now. Um, you know, you get a game like a, you know, where we're playing the Royals or some some crap team. Why not throw him out there for five innings and see what he can do? You know, if we get a big enough lead and, and it's looking like we're gonna clinch, I think you throw him out there and just see what he can do. Just to, you know, you might be a diamond in the rough. You never know. So I think you you got to find the right time for it. But I think he's got the mentality for it. He's been there before. So at, at this year, especially where we didn't go get anybody at the deadline, why not let him try? Uh, I'm on the different end of the spectrum for this. I don't think he should be. Stretch out as a starter. Uh, he's doing so well as a bullpen guy right now. I mean, if you're able to just, all right, my role is pitch two innings at most and fire 98 on the gun instead of having to save that through 100 pitches or so. I think that's an offseason type of talk if we're going to try to get another starter in here. But I think he's excelling at this uh, opener role. And I think baseball is moving a lot more towards that and away from starting pitching at this point. So just let him do what he's doing right now. And, I mean, maybe add an inning or two and yeah. just let him be a primary every fifth day, have an opener like him. Yeah, that's a good point. And like you said, Jackson, uh, so I actually have a pretty good feel about this situation. So, I mean, the 95% of my college career, I was a bullpen guy. My, I mean, I was I closed a lot. And then my last four appearances of my college career, my, my coach goes, hey, you're going to start this game. And it ends up being like a game that we end up winning and put us first in the conference. So like, I think it's much easier like if you use it as an emergency button. So, right. Because I'm kind of in the, I'm kind of split between both of you. So like 
it's similar to what he did in the wild card game where i mean he'd been a bullpen guy just inning inning or two maybe three randomly throughout the year and then showing up and having to be extended because like in those situations when you know you've got to give it like you got to just do it you're not thinking about oh i'm not gonna try to just go gas it out for five or six innings like i'm just i gotta save some stuff you're like i'm just here to give you two or three innings and just give you everything i have but then i mean then you get into where you're just rolling and then that two or three innings turns into four or five six depending i mean i could never see chad green going six innings yeah yeah but i think that's that'd be something interesting to see when it comes into the postseason with what we do um so wrapping up the series we have david price who is seven and four on the year with a three eight six era versus jay hap coming off a very quality start for the yankees who's now sitting at eight and six with a five one nine era i think that's gonna be not as much of an important game as it is to one just see if we can continue to destroy david price's career and to see if jay hap can just build off a good outing yeah yeah i think jay hap he's a big piece to our rotation i mean when he's on man he's got some good stuff and he showed that you know last year as well and i think that you know if like you said we always want to put it to david price man and he's always you know he's i've always said that he's one of our best pitchers but um but like i said if hap can come out and, and, and keep working towards who he was a little bit last year and keep improving every start he could be a pivotal a pivotal part to our rotation in the long run and I, I think he's got the, the, the makeup for it. Um, so hopefully, you know, he's able to kind of screw on his cap a little bit, buckle down, and, and give some solid innings. Even if it's only four to five innings, we got the bullpen that can cover that. Uh, yeah, I mean I, I mean, I basically agree with everything you just said. I'm not going to reiterate it. So, yeah, that's me. Um, so I just got a notification. Yankees prospect Brian Keller threw a seven-inning no-hitter on Thursday for Double A Trenton, making the second no-hitter of the Thunder season in the sixth in franchise history. Wow! That's he good. did it on seventy pitches. Wow, that's insane. So I mean, at this point, I mean, we we pumped up last year. We brought Loisiga up straight from Double A. Let's just write off his. That's who we can fill in Game Three. Just have him, uh, you know, seventy there pitches. You go. He, he can yeah, he's so good. He can go another five innings, right? <laughs> he's good. <laughs> Now that's awesome, and that's a great omen to see a guy like that in your farm system do do that on seventy pitches. I mean, that's pretty unheard of, man. That's that's really tough to do at any level, and and that's a big big night for that kid. And hopefully, that's just the start of things to come for him. Yeah, and this kind of resonates with me a little bit. So he's a thirty ninth round pick, and he's out of Wisconsin, Milwaukee. So I mean, coming from a small school and just seeing someone perform that well as a thirty ninth round pick, I mean. You're having football players' sons get drafted before then just because they know a guy. Yeah, right. Like, because of the that's name. Someone, yep. That's someone just getting the opportunity and absolutely making the most of it. Yeah, that's awesome. Like, I'm like you. I went to Ball State. It's not a very big school either. I mean, obviously, and that's awesome to see small time. And that's, you know, those are, that's where most of the time your best players come from. More often than not, you find really good diamonds in the rough. At, I'm not saying that small school, but, you know, those later draft picks, those smaller schools. And I think that that's what the Yankees farm system does a good job of is finding those diamonds in the rough. All right. So kind of want to wrap the show up with a nice little segment that I think we should probably at least try to incorporate a little bit into each time. And it's uh, this day in Yankees transaction history. And I know I shared this with you guys a little before we started uh, recording 
On August 2nd, 2012, the New York Yankees signed shortstop Tyro Estrada to a minor league contract. Since then, Estrada has played across literally every level in the Yankees organization. And even 25 games this year with the boys up in the Bronx. Give me your guys' just first impressions, your takeaways from Tyro Estrada, the, the short time that you've seen him. I'm like you, man. Like I had... Or we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier. I didn't realize he's been in with with us since twelve, and it's been a long time. But I think that he's like you said, he's seen every side of the Yankees for the most part, and he's obviously committed to us. He's been here for a long time. We're committed to him, and I just think it's pretty cool to see where he's like how he's progressed and where he's at now. And I think he could be a big help for us. Yeah, I mean, uh, admittedly, I didn't really know of him until uh, the bullet situation went yeah. last year. Uh, but, I mean, in the few games that we've seen him so far in the majors, I mean, he proves that he can handle himself and that he's a good bench piece for us right now. I mean, what else can he ask for him? He's not going to be asked to be an everyday starter on this team. Yeah, I agree completely. Uh, so, in the 25 games, he is slashing 280, 321, and 520, which, I mean, that's not superstar numbers, but it's very respectable. And I think a very good comp for him is Ronald Torres. He serves a very similar role, and honestly, yeah. he looks like him a little bit, just he without does. the mole. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly, dude. One more thing. Uh, tomorrow is the 40th anniversary of Thurman Munson's passing. Oh, man. You're right. I didn't even really? think about that. That's, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine uh, the Yankees will probably do something to, to honor, him. honor that in some aspect. and always cool playing the Red Sox, too. That's pretty cool. So that's going to do it for us for the first episode of the Pinstripe Power Podcast. We appreciate you guys for listening and uh, just want to really thank Vin and Jackson for coming aboard and giving me the opportunity to do something that I really enjoy. But until then, let's go Yankees. Yeah.